What did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, I had oatmeal. Oh, any specific flavor? Well, I like to put a lot of toppings on, so I put like this like sunseed butter and banana and chocolate. Like I really load all the things on. Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit through conversations with extraordinary people. We talk about all aspects of life here, imposter syndrome, breaking free from the script, living with intention, boundaries with family, what it means to be vulnerable, and the fact that we're all really just making this up as we go along. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Emma Walno. She's a daughter, sister, founder of Content by M, a company that helps businesses skyrocket their visibility and save time by repurposing their content all over the internet. So Emma, you, I saw you wrote this Instagram post on the very beginning of 2021, January 1st, the year we are now in finally. And you shared the lessons that you learned from 2020, which was a year that we'll all remember. And this one lesson you wrote really stuck out to me. You wrote, your life does not have to be grand or spectacular to have value and meaning. Your life is far more determined by the small moments you enjoy and take pride in each day than by grand gestures or milestones. And I saw that and I was like, oh, I so relate to that because I'm a big believer. It's all the small things. Let's live in the moment. You don't have to like changing the world doesn't have to literally mean like go to Mars. But I'm curious, what was the moment that you came to this realization that life doesn't have to be grand to be meaningful? Yeah, wow, that's a big one. I feel like this year, 2020, it's something that we've all kind of had to learn. And I don't know if I'd say that it was like really one moment in particular, but more just you know, trying to find gratitude for this year, even if it looks so different than what we were expecting. Um, I know me personally, I'm a big traveler and I've like lived abroad. I definitely thought I was going to do more traveling this year, Um, maybe even do the whole digital nomad thing. And so kind of being, you know, having to stay put in my hometown was not exactly what I expected, but um there is so much to learn and just slowing down and realizing that you don't always have to be, you know, jetting off or doing some wild, crazy thing. You can really just enjoy the little moments each day and yeah, find gratitude in that, I guess. Was it like, did you have things planned for 2020 in terms of traveling that you had to cancel or was it more just like, this might be the year that I do more traveling? Yeah, I mean, I had like a trip plan to go visit a friend that I did have to cancel. It was going to be right around COVID in March. But I was also just sort of thinking of, you know, potentially moving abroad and working like being a content manager, all my clients, it's all online work, right. And so having that ability to work from wherever I was sort of thinking like yeah maybe I'll go just work from Mexico work from the beach do that kind of whole thing or maybe I'll go to Europe and see friends so just sort of adjusting that and being like okay no I'm going to be staying put for a while um and 
yeah, recognizing that there's actually value in just staying put too. I felt that so much in 2022 that, which was kind of like previously, I think, against what I would have thought of myself. Like I'm someone who likes to be active, but this like forced staying put, as you put it, I started to find these, like a newfound appreciation for just simply walking around the neighborhood or just being inside when it's cold out, especially now in the winter. But what, like, or were you someone that staying put like me would have been, had you not been forced to experience that sort of pause, you wouldn't have, or was that something that you would have experienced anyway? Yeah, well, I have really moved around like a lot, I would say in the past five years. So I've never really um, bid someone to stay in one place for very long. Um, so yeah, I mean, after university, I kind of, I traveled, I, I lived in Germany for a bit and the Netherlands and like, I was sort of always in one place for like six months or a year, but never a lot longer than that. So I think it kind of forced me to like confront that, I guess, like, you know, you don't always have to be traveling or, um, you know, just easing yourself into one spot. I have to say it definitely did feel a little bit weird for me in the beginning, but I am now so much more comfortable, I guess, staying put. Comfortable staying put. That's a great way to put it. I think I join you in that. I think I am also now comfortable staying put. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. No. You mentioned university. When you graduated from university, how worried were you about like, I feel like, especially in America, um, in the United States, or at least in the world I grew up in, it's like, go to grammar school, go to high school, decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life at 18, go to college, like study that, get out, get a good job. Like there's kind of this path that's not even suggested. It's like assumed when you graduated from university, like how, what, what did that look like for you? Like, were you on a path that you were ready for and, and committed to? Were you looking for something different? Was it just, I'm going to come out and figure this out myself? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I definitely did not have a path in the slightest. Uh, I had major anxiety, like finishing up university. I studied communication. So like I ended up, you know, that's pretty close to what I'm doing right now. Sure. But I, yeah, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And the idea of picking something and making that choice really, really scared me. I felt like I was committing to something and I was going to be stuck in this thing that I didn't like. And I don't know. I mean, I think maybe we put so much pressure on ourselves that like that is going to be your career. And really it's not like a lot of people just work for like a year or two and then they switch it up or they figure it out as they go along through their twenties. But yeah, I would say I definitely, um, I had some major anxiety about like what I would do. And yeah, it was a lot of twists and turns until I've gotten here. Oh, yeah. What kinds of twists and turns? Um, well, so I guess the only thing I knew that I really did want to do was travel pretty much. I was like, I don't know what I want my career to be. Um, I yeah, I felt pretty nervous about picking something, I guess you could say. So I just said, OK, you know what? I'm just going to work a pretty like relaxed job and just save up a bit of money and then go travel because that was the only thing I had 
clarity on, I guess. And I think that's sort of what um, led me to be to spend a lot of time abroad. And um, I did some volunteering. So I did some volunteering teaching English in Cambodia, which is really amazing. Oh, wow. Um, that must have been experience. Yeah, it was such an incredible experience. I really, really loved it. So, yeah, I did that. Um, I ended up meeting somebody through there, and they were European, so I kind of moved to Europe, did the whole move for love thing, and then was living in Europe for a bit and working a few different jobs. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to start my own business was just because, you know, like it was hard with finding visas and stuff like that. And then it was hard to get time off to come see my family back home in Canada. And I just wanted something that would be flexible enough that, you know, no matter where I was living in the world, no matter what my situation was, it would sort of follow along with me and allow me to live this nomadic lifestyle, I guess. You phrased it as uh, I did the whole moving for love thing. I I feel like that's not necessarily like something that everyone has the opportunity to do. Uh, you, you know, you made it sound so, uh, so like, yeah, I, I, I did that. I checked it off. <laughs> that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, so you lived in a, a completely different country for some time, right? Which I guess you traveled a bit, but I mean, to live somewhere with someone who you're, you know, probably thinking about the, you know, what the next part of your life looks like with them. That's a, I guess what I'm thinking about is that's a big chapter of life like yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. what what did that relationship teach you about yourself oh that's a big question um well I'm just like I'm thinking I'm trying to collect my thoughts here I mean I think that I feel like I was a lot younger when I went into that relationship even though it wasn't that long ago I guess it was uh yeah three or four years ago now um but I think it just goes to show you that like you can take a risk on things and even if they don't work out in the end like it didn't work out with him but I don't feel regret at all for having that whole chapter and you know I was like okay this seems kind of crazy like I think people definitely thought it was crazy like you're gonna move to the Netherlands um But I had like so many good memories from that chapter of my life. I got to see a whole new part of the world and make so many new connections and yeah, just have a lot of really great experiences and um, didn't work out in the end, but it just definitely expanded my worldview, I guess, to have that experience of living abroad and experiencing a new culture for a few years. I love your perspective that there's no regrets and that this was, there's that, oh man, who said it? A previous guest of mine way back on this podcast, Robin May, she's the one who I heard it from, but this idea that like, um, everybody comes into your life, what is it for a reason, a season or forever? Um, but I love that idea of a season, like people can come into your life for a, a chapter, a season, and maybe you learn something from each other and you teach each other something. You wrote a little bit about um, how your relationship kind of changed what your perspective on what a successful relationship is. How, how did that perspective change and what a successful relationship is in your eyes? Oh, what a successful relationship. I, I wrote this. 
Uh, yeah, where did I find it? It was um, was it a Medium somewhere? Oh, on Medium, one of my Medium articles. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, I'm remembering that. I'm remembering that article now. Yeah, I think that we have a tendency to think that if something's a successful relationship, it like is meaning you know getting married, or that's the person that you end up with, or. Yeah, sort of like the one, I guess, for lack of a better word. But um, I think the whole notion of seeing things as like failed relationships is really damaging, right? Because as you said, like, just because it wasn't a lifetime, even if it was only a season or a chapter, like, you learn so much about yourself, about what it means to be in a relationship, you have the memories with that person. And I'm just never that type of person who could, like, totally toss all that out. I mean, you know, it didn't end terribly between us, so there's that. But you hear about so many people, like, they delete every photo of them off social media. And they're like, erase the past. And, like, for me, I just knew that wasn't going to work. Like, I needed to honor that time of my life and those experiences and be grateful for them. And... Yeah, not think of something in terms of like success or failure, I guess you could say. I love that. Honor that time. That's so beautiful. Like to think about that, like respect that time, honor that time and what we learned from that person. I think you're right. Like even when, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, uh, this idea that like we think about every relationship we have or it should be the one, it should be the final relationship and this is the path we're on to find this final goal, but that you can have these seasons and relationships and that's okay. As you were saying that, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. But like, I feel like even I, you know, I'm going after that, the one, like got to find that, that final, you know, I don't know. I, I think this is a great example of that, that whole saying, like it's about the journey, not about the destination. Um, do, do you believe in that? Like I, I'm such a believer in that. And I'm, I'm curious, like, it sounds like you, as someone who loves to travel, you, you definitely are about the journey. Yeah, no, 100%. And I was even just having like a thought the other day where I think it was yesterday, like, don't get me wrong, I love goals and I love having goals. But I find like once I actually hit a goal, I'm just sort of like, okay, like, I don't know, I don't, I may, I may be happy, but it's not something that really gets me going that much versus like the process and like putting in the work to get to where you want to be. That is more fulfilling to me versus when I actually hit the goal, like it's nice and everything, but I don't know, it doesn't really do it for me. I guess it's getting a little bit away from the relationships, but yeah, I think I'm definitely more of a process person than like focusing so much on the results. Because of that, do you find yourself setting goals that maybe are a little bit more ambitious and a little bit harder to attain because then you'll have a more, a stronger journey to get to them as opposed to like a really easy goal that you could achieve tomorrow? Um, I've never really thought about it like that way. I find in general, I've, I've started to set more goals, but I've always been a little bit like resistant to goals just because I find that while I do really like working towards things, I can also be kind of like pessimistic, if that makes sense. So yeah, I don't want to put too much stock in a goal and then feel really bad about myself if I don't reach it. So my whole thing is like to aim a little bit lower or not lower, but just be like, okay, I could do this. Or maybe this is actually what will end up happening and not really get too attached 
to the outcome, like still work towards it, but I'm still trying to find that balance, I guess, of like setting goals and striving for things, but yet not, you know, putting too much stock and weight into them that, you know, you feel crushed if they don't come true kind of thing. I'm the same way. I I don't set a lot of goals, not only because of this, but because you're, you're accountable then. Like it's, which sounds bad. We, we should be accountable, but it's more like, like you said, what if I don't achieve it? What if I don't get to it? Like now, now I have to like hone in on this and I feel that same, that same side of it. Like it's daunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tricky balance for sure. Yeah. You in your, um, in that post about the lessons from 2020, there was another lesson that really caught my eye. You wrote that you learned how to find a home within yourself, no matter where you're living or what's going on around you. And I was kind of curious what you meant by that. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back a little bit to what I was saying before. And that, so I came home to Canada in like October, I guess, um, before. So just over a year ago, I guess now. Um, but yeah, I just spent so long, like kind of associating my identity, I guess, is like, oh, I'm living abroad or I'm traveling or I'm volunteering or I'm in this relationship. Like, I think we all have a tendency to do that. Or I'm a business owner. Like you kind of put your identity as these things that exist outside of you. And then when those things get taken away, you're kind of like, okay, like that's gone who am I now? That sounds a little bit existentialist, but you know what I mean? You have to sort of rebuild your identity in a way and make sure that you're basing your identity on those internal things, not things like relationship, career, where you live, all those things. So I think for me, 2020 was definitely a year where I just really came home into myself, I guess, and rooted more solidly in that identity. What is that identity that you've rooted yourself in? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> that is a big question. Um, what is my identity? I mean, I think that if I'm being honest, like right now I am in a season of my life where I am focusing a lot on my business. So I know I do need to be careful about that, like not just identifying so much with my business But I read a really good quote the other day. I just read Atomic Habits. And he was saying, like, if you identify yourself as a business owner, like, rather than say I identify as a business owner, like, I'm the type of person that makes things. So it's not so, you know, like, oh, it's about being a CEO or it's about this. But, like, I'm a creative type of person. I'm a type of person that makes things happen. I'm the type of person that goes after my dreams. So I guess I would say some some of those things i i like to make things happen be creative and you know push forward with things i love i i don't you mentioned it being a little exist, existential and like maybe it is but i i think this is such an important piece of life is that the way we all identify ourselves with our careers like i mean think about this podcast right like Every time I have an amazing guest like yourself on, I got to think about how am I going to introduce them so that someone listening just at least understands who they are and why they're here or why I invited them here. 
And I, I, I just don't want to be like, oh, this is so-and-so and, you know, they're the CEO and they, this is their company. And like, that's part of their identity. But, and then you watch like television. Like I always say, um, Ellen's Game of Games. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, Ellen DeGeneres. She has this game show where it's all these games. But whenever there's a contestant, like the lower third at the bottom of the screen says like, this is Sally Field and she's an astronaut or this is so-and-so and he's a whatnot. And it's like, and then she asked them, you know, who are you and what do you do? And like, that's just like our, our driving identity. And so, so I think it's, I, I, I'm glad you, you bring that up because I think it's so important. I, and I, my, my hesitation and question is always like, how do we get away from it? I don't have the answer. But what you just quoted from Atomic Habits sounds like a great way to approach that. Yeah, for sure. And I totally resonate with that. Like, just we all define each other by our roles and I would, I mean, not that any of us are going to parties anymore in this day and age, but like, yeah, I mean, that was something that I actually noticed that was really nice when I lived in Europe. Like when you started talking to someone, like you would be having like a 30 minute conversation or more. And I hadn't even talked about my job. Like this was before I had my own business and I wasn't super passionate about my job. And it was just interesting that like, I feel like in the U.S. or in Canada, where I'm from, it's like, that's the first thing that people ask you, like, what do you do? And it's usually your job. It's not necessarily like your side projects or passions. It's like that's sort of how we choose to define people. So, yeah, I, I don't have the answer of how we can get away from that. But I think just acknowledging that that's a part of someone, but to look at the whole person. I love that. You had mentioned before that you came back home to Canada, it sounds like October 19. So that was five or six months prior to like the, the major COVID shutdowns. So you're coming, you, so you, you have quite the life shift there of like ending a relationship, moving geographically across the planet, and then probably getting settled in. And then five or six months later, the planet itself shifts in terms of society and your ability to move around. Um, wow. No, no wonder 2020 was one hell of a year for you. Yeah, <laughs> whole lot of changes, and it was a yeah big shift for sure. Yeah, I I remember also in that post you had mentioned about um, thinking about 2020. You, you mentioned that you realized that there's both seasons of growth and slow seasons in in business. You were speaking about. But uh, and, and not to panic when you're in a slow season, because just ride with it. There will be growth soon. Like it's an ebb and a flow. I feel like that's so true in life, too. Do you do you feel like you you feel that in life beyond business? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider fast and slow. But I see it like there's always, you know, there's different components of your life. And I think at some points in your life, some things are going to be well or some things are going to be going really busy and then the other quadrants of your life maybe there won't be as much going on there and it's all sort of a balancing act and to kind of realize like not everything can happen at one time like it's not I don't I don't think it happens for everyone at one time like their relationship is flourishing and their business and like everything's all going perfectly at the same time I think there's always like okay well this is going well but this needs work or so yeah I definitely think it goes in waves like that. I have Laura Pena was a guest a couple weeks ago and she had mentioned um, in our conversation something, but then she had said, we're all works in progress. And that's what I just thought of right now. Like what you just said, like 
it's not realistic to think that every piece of our life at every given moment is going in the right direction. Like something is a work in progress at all times. Yeah, I love that work in progress. It's so true. So 2020, man, one hell of a year for you. So 2021 starts. We're now in the beginning of it. Are you someone, I'm not a resolution person. Um, I'm not even like, I know some people pick words. I, I've never actually done that. Have you? Did you do that for 2021? Did you pick a word or a resolution or anything? I did. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to do the word of the year. I was just like, I don't know, like everyone does this and yeah. nothing's coming to me this year but then I actually saw on Instagram someone else's word of the year and I was like I'm stealing that like that that's good (laughs) (laughs) so I picked trust and why did you pick trust I picked trust because it goes back a little bit to what we just said about the slow seasons and fast seasons but um yeah I think that I have had to learn to cultivate trust and I want to continue on that just trusting that you're on the right path and in business trusting that things are working out as they should. I had a lot of moments where I had to sort of like take leaps with my business or, you know, just keep going, even though I was like, eh, is this working? And in the end, everything that I did, did really work out. Um, so just like continuing to cultivate that trust and, you know, trusting in your clients, trusting in your, team members that are supporting you like if you don't trust yourself and you have this anxious energy you're going to carry that out into the people you work with so just trying to trust myself and then have that reverberate into everyone I interact with really I love that I feel like more trust only good things come from everyone having more trust and and everything really but especially in each other yeah Yeah, it's so easy to just sort of go into your mind spiraling. But if you try to come from that place of trust that, you know, everyone's doing the best they can and everyone's working hard and it's all going to be okay, then you can just run your business and just live your life from a much calmer place. You mentioned that you weren't originally thinking about a word for 2021, but then when you saw that person's word, it sort of clicked. What 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 was it about? Were you feeling like you you needed more trust, and when you saw it, it kind of clicked, or what was it that all of a sudden you're like, that actually, I will do a word because that's my word. Yeah, I think I had been feeling that way, but I hadn't um, thought of a word yet to really categorize that. I guess. I mean, the Christmas before New Year, or the Christmas before this New Year, like. I was, you know, having a lot of like, okay, will my clients resign with me? And, and will I get new clients starting for January? So there was sort of like this anxious energy, I guess, going into the holidays. And then in the new year, everyone resigned with me and I got new clients. Like, I don't know, I just find that I have a tendency to sort of be like, ah. And so then I realized that an anxious energy that I had in myself and that I sometimes tend to get and then just seeing that word at the same time as everything was sort of clicking into place. I was like, yes, okay, I need to cultivate more of this, more trust. I feel like it's so natural to have that sort of that anxious energy, but kind of that like fear of, you know, will it's sort of what you were saying about the slow seasons and the growth seasons. Like every time we're in a slow season, I feel like it's natural to be like, is this 
not the end, but like, is it ever going to change, you know, or is this what I'm, I'm now stuck with? Is it ever going to pick up? So, I mean, as a business owner, especially, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It's always funny because like you have, I find it comes and goes in waves, like either, you know, I'll have no one reaching out or then I'll have like five inquiries or six inquiries in a week or something. And so it's just like when you're having one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, like my business is going to crumble or no one wants to work with me. Like, remember all those times that you just randomly got someone off Instagram being like, I want to work with you. Or you had a discovery call book from someone you never met. And like, whenever that happens, I'm like, oh, it's almost like a nice little reminder that like at any moment, things could be working for you in the background and you're just not realizing it. That's a nice feeling to have. Yeah. You you had talked about in that that the um, lessons post to about your realization that you're stronger than you give yourself credit for that you can make tough choices, have hard conversations and just have faith. And I guess trust too, in your own strength, your own resiliency. What, what were the events that kind of made you realize how strong and resilient you were as a person? Yeah, I think that going back to business, I've realized that as a business owner, like a lot of it comes down to making decisions and sometimes making those tough calls. And I have in the past been someone who really struggles with that. Like I have struggles upholding my boundaries with people. I have struggles, you know, giving feedback to people if I think it might be harsh or saying, you know what, like this client is just not a fit for me. Like we don't work well together. Um, I've had a lot of situations like that, which I found very, very difficult um, just for me with my personality. And this year I forced myself to really do the things that I knew were right for me in my business, even if they didn't feel comfortable in the moment. And in order to get to where I am now, like a lot of it was like cutting things out and like letting people go and just aligning myself with where I wanted to go. And it wasn't always easy, but I'm in a better spot for it now. So that is, I think, part of what I was getting at there. Isn't that such a great feeling? I feel like when you kind of step outside that comfort zone or do something you you maybe knew you should do or have, but you've never done and then you do it and you're like, whoa, that that worked or I'm okay. I could do this again. Like that is such a great feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And like to remember, like then every single time that you do it and you are faced again with another situation, you're like, well, I did that and that felt super hard in the moment and I got through it and I'm still here. So you can do this. And it's sort of the more you do it, the more it almost serves as like a little pep talk. Yeah. I feel like giving ourselves pep talks is something that we all should do regularly. For sure. What do you what do you do to uh, I, I'm reminded of the term like self care, but especially as an entrepreneur, as someone who's running your own business and you know grow trying to grow that business consistently, I imagine. What do you do to I guess yeah take care of yourself, like to take a moment. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like work life balance. But how do you sort of make sure that Emma, the person you know beyond the identity of the business owner, is is whole? Yeah. That's such a good question. And I feel like especially this year, it's, it's harder to make room for all those parts of ourselves because of COVID and like not being able to, you know, do as much as we were able to do before. 
Um, but what has really helped me is just, yeah, continuously making that time for myself. So for me, I'm not a morning person at all. Like I work a lot better in the, the afternoons and evenings, but I like to just take like the first couple hours, I would say in the morning and just like take it super, super slow and just, you know, have my coffee and do journaling and maybe do some yoga and just not look at my phone, not look at emails, not look at social media and just have that time for me with like no demands on me and, and really just allow myself to ease into the day. I feel like that's one of the little routines or rituals that has really kept me sane. That's fantastic. It's so hard nowadays, I feel like, to do that. And I, I honestly, I think we're the ones that make it the hardest. Like, I mean, I think about what you just said, and I think I'm like, I was thinking, do I take time for my, I'm like, oh, sometimes I do. I don't do it every day. And I'm like, well, why don't I do it every day? Well, because I don't. Like, I'm the only one stopping me there. Yeah, I, I recommend it so much. Like, I now can't even remember or I can't even imagine like starting my day and like looking at my notifications and my emails because I just love it so much to take that time. In the beginning, it was more of like a, something I had to force myself to do. Like, no, don't check the phone, even though I was tempted. And now it's like, oh, like, do I have to check my phone? Okay, I guess I better get started with my work day and start checking in with people. <laughs> but yeah, it's really, it's really nice to just take that time for yourself. Or if some people like to just get started right away in the morning. It doesn't have to be the morning. But as long as it's at some point during the day where you just have that like quiet time. I found that if I, because for a while I found myself checking my phone too much. I'm sure we can all relate but I found that physically moving the phone away, like in this case, I move it off my desk and I put it like elsewhere in the room, like on a coffee table or something, made a huge difference in terms of I would check it less and it was out of mind. And then I found that um, the inverse, um, I wanted to read more, moving the book to my kitchen table so that at breakfast and lunch, it would always be there. So I would just, instead of checking my phone, I'd read the book. I found this idea of like physically moving the objects where they need to be either in your sight or out of your sight made a world of a difference for me. Have you tried that? That's so funny. Have you read Atomic Habits? No, I, I have not. That's, actually, I just finished reading it. So it's really in my mind. And that's exactly what he was talking about. Like we can actually set our environment up for success just based on simple things like that. And I've definitely been doing that with the phone. Like I try to just put it in a totally different room or put it in a drawer, like a way so I can't get it. Because especially with what I do, like I'm writing a lot of the day. And so constantly checking is just, it breaks your focus all the time. So I've definitely done that. I haven't tried as much like the putting the book you know, in an obvious spot, but that's what he suggested too, like putting it on your bed. If you want to read before bed, just setting your book right there. So I'm, I'm going to try that one. I, I need to read Atomic Habits now. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. Is that by James Clear? Yes. Oh, that's funny. I just saw him uh, virtually speak last week. Oh, really? Yeah. I should really read his book then. <laughs> was, he, was he talking about habits? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Like a lot of it's sort of stuff that you would, some of it's like stuff you already know, but there's a lot of good strategies and just like simple hacks kind of to make it easier. I, I've, I'm a big fan. I, have you ever read, I have I feel like this book's a million years old and we've all read it, but I have not. Have you ever read um, 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss? 
No, I haven't read that. I've seen it around a bunch, but I've never gone around to reading it. Oh, I'm glad. So at least I'm not alone here. <laughs> it's it's on my coffee table on my list of books to read. But I, I believe that's another book kind of about not life. Well, yeah, life hacking or just this idea of like simplifying and how you can streamline things. And I, I just love that idea of like how we can. Admittedly, I don't do a lot of it, but I love this idea of like focusing on what we want to focus on in life and what matters most to us and then sort of shedding or at least whatever we don't need to be a focus like how can we either outsource that or just like not make it in our purview so that we can like focus on what really fulfills us it sounds like the atomic habits is along those lines yeah yeah no i that is something a goal for me too one i want to read is essentialism i haven't read it yet but i think it's along those lines because yeah i think um our mental energy is just such a precious resource. And like the more you add on, add on things that aren't important, the harder it gets to really focus on the things that matter. So yeah, that's going to be my focus too. When you, um, I'm thinking about when you lived abroad, you know, for your, you, you kind of, you know, I was going to say chasing your relationship, but that's such a weird way to say it. <laughs> Um, but when you said, you know, you moved, moved for love, um, you traveled a lot prior to that, right? So like this, the idea of living somewhere other than your home country wasn't foreign to you at that time. No, it wasn't foreign. I had, I had done an exchange in France for my third year abroad. So I'd already lived in Europe for a year. And I think, um, that was also partially why that option seemed very attractive to me because I was already kind of looking for a way to get back there and just spend even more time there. So I had done I had done a fair bit of traveling that year in my third year abroad. Gotcha. So I, I'm thinking about like your identity during that time. So like the the um, the living abroad and not being home part is probably was already part of your identity. But I'm thinking like um, the relationship part coming back not just a geographic move, but like coming out of that relationship, did you feel like you sort of had to now figure out your identity again? Cause I, I feel like, um, I remember, so I got divorced. Was it two years ago, three years ago? I, I don't know what year it is anymore. <laughs> Time is weird these days. <laughs> it's weird. But I remember like, it, you know, when we have been together quite some time, like sort of like thinking, okay, who's Tim without, the other person, like who's Tim as Tim, right? Were, were you sort of going through that as, as you were coming out of that relationship, like thinking like, all right, well, who's Emma now, you know, not only my back home, but without, you know, without the partner. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the hardest part about it was that it wasn't just a normal breakup where like we lived in the same city, maybe didn't even live together and just like already had quite individual lives. Like I was fully living there and yeah, that was a huge part of my life. And so, yeah, when we broke up, like my visa also expired at the end of the month. And so like we broke up and I essentially had like two weeks to like get everything organized and like leave before my visa expired like it was quite stressful um and then just sort of like got back in this whirlwind and obviously I was upset about the breakup but I remember also just being like what am I gonna do now like this is my life like this is what I chose like what am I gonna do and I just felt very lost and like 
yeah, what, what, what comes next essentially. So I feel that very much. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like that you're sort of like standing there, like what what you said, what comes next? Like, what do I, if I take a step forward and start walking, like which way do I go? What did Mm -hmm. you use or what did you rely on to sort of start guiding you to answer that question? What's next? Yeah, I mean, I think having the support of my family was really, really helpful um, because I also had, you know, I'd missed them. I hadn't really been seeing them very often. I'd see them, you know, at Christmas and they'd come and visit me, which was really nice, but I hadn't seen them that often. So just having the support of family and I'm also like I moved back to where I'm from. So I have like some friends that have known me for a really long time. And so I think just really relying on those people that have kind of always known you, they knew you before you were with that person, they've known you for a super long time, and they can really support you in that way. Um, So I think leaning on on my support system was really key to just getting me back to that place where I felt good again. That I'm reminded of, I don't know if you've ever heard that um, song, Old Friends by the artist Ben Rector. No. Oh, I just discovered it recently, but um, there's a—it's all about old friends, and he, he, the line in there is, uh, "You can't make old friends," and I just love that idea that you know these people who have known you forever and you know will always know you as you said as you. Yeah. Uh, there's like nothing more valuable than that. Yeah, I know. It's like it's—I love meeting new people and I love meeting new friends, but there's something about spending time with people that have known you your whole life like it's just so comforting and there's no sort of having to act a certain way or present yourself at all it's just total comfort and so yeah I think so it's so nice especially if you're in a rough place having those people around you yeah so you mentioned that um you are you're focusing on your business now that's like the current season you're in is like really going all in on growing the business um what has that like you mentioned you're not necessarily going after goals but do you or always i mean i'm sure you have some but like do you have this vision of like what you want to create or like the impact you want to make or like is there a north star that's guiding you as you grow the business this year and i mean every year thereafter Yeah, I think that's a really good point to come back to the North Star. And it's something I'm always sort of checking in with myself about because it's so easy to just get caught up in like doing the work day in, day out, like signing another client. But it's like at the end of the day, why are you sort of doing it? So um, I think just like being able to support more people in spreading their message, whatever that message may be. Um, But working with people who I feel like are really trying to make a change and they themselves are visionaries and want to help a lot of people and me being able to use my talents in writing and communication and just sort of be that amplifier for them to help it go that much further is really my vision. So I guess in order to further that, like I'm trying to... um, you know, grow a team this year so I can support more people because as a one person business, there's only so many people I can support. And then I'm also going to be trying to launch a program or a course. So for those people that don't necessarily have like, you know, 
a ton of money each month to like hire someone to do it for them, they too can get that support to learn how to do their online content and reach more people. That's amazing. Those are some grand plans. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was like, I don't have goals, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I like what you said about checking in regularly on the, on the North Star, especially as you get in the weeds of day-to-day work, but just checking in to make sure you're on the path that you want to be on. Yeah, yeah. It can be very easy to lose sight of that, but I think when you remember that, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this all for a reason. And then even on those harder days in business when you're having like tech failures or there's problems or whatever, you're just like, oh, you, you can remember like, okay, I have a reason why I'm doing this and I'm really am passionate about this. So yeah, it's always good to remind yourself. We talked about goals. What does goals often, I think, lend them or uh, are paired up with like success, like you achieve goals and you achieve success. What does success mean to you? Like, what does that look like for you? I don't necessarily mean in your business only, like just in general, like if you feel like what you are and who you are and what you're doing is successful, like what does that look like? Yeah, that's another good one to just constantly be checking in about and making sure you're actually having your own definition and not just following someone else's definition about that. But Yeah, I would say that to me, success is producing quality, like that's a a value that I hold really highly. So even if I'm going to work with less people, but the work that I'm producing is really high quality, that's super important to me. Um, Having this sort of creativity and innovation, like I'm always somebody that I'm constantly like, okay, how could we do this better? Or what are like the trends going on right now? Or what's a new way that we could do this? And I think that sort of lends to my work, but also just being a curious person in general, like wanting to learn new things, wanting to see new places, like considering other perspectives. Um, Those would be a couple things off the bat that are my definition of success. I share your quality one. Like I'm, I'm also a person that wants to produce high quality, you know, whatever, like if it's, if it's coming from me, I want it to be a, a high quality. And I feel like sometimes my bar is like with this podcast, I'm editing the podcast and, you know, I'm all worried about the audio quality. And, you know, some people might say like, is the average person going to even notice, you know, but it's like, but I have this bar in my head and I, it's got to meet my quality standards. So, yeah. Are you like that too? I'm I'm really like that too. And um, I think that, like, again, I always strive for quality, but I think almost like if you're like me or you, you sometimes almost need to like keep that in check that it doesn't go into perfectionism mode. And so my like business coach, she's like 80%, like 80% is good. And like, not that I like produce shoddy work, but like, if you're just like, if I'm like working with a piece of content and you're going over it and over it, like sometimes you just have to be like, okay, you know, I allotted this much time, like, it's good. Like, you can nitpick and obsess over something for so long, but at a certain point, you just have to, like, get it done and not go too far into the the perfectionism mode, I guess. I totally, I love that 80%. Because it's like, 
I mean, it's sort of like diminishing returns. Like at some point, you, you know, you and I are focusing so much on this. I guess you're right. We're chasing perfection, which is terrible because we're never going to achieve it. And like uh, that, that 99.999% is probably no different than the 97%. And yeah, yeah. I love that. 80%. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And if we keep trying to get it perfect, it also just slows you down so much. Like at a certain point, if you actually want to move forward, you have to be like regularly producing stuff. And that's one of the things that I talk a lot about in my content, like on my Instagram is like, if you're perfectionist, like you're not going to produce a lot of content and the more content you produce, the better you get at it. So like, you know, your 80th podcast episode is probably so much better, easier than your first one. And so when you have like a whole drafts of blog posts that you just never publish or, you know, with video, I think a lot of people are very scared to post their videos because they think they mess up their words or, so I purposely try to just post my stories. I'm like, there's a typo. I messed up my words, but I'm going to be an example of <laughs> what I preach to people. Like, it doesn't need to be perfect. You just need to share your message. Emma, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is so terrible. This is how we judge one another. But I was looking at one of your Instagram <laughs> posts and I'm, you put out great content, by the way, and I, you know, great tips and stuff. And as someone who's a creator, I'm, I'm creating and putting stuff out there. You know, what you're doing is... I'm learning from, and you had, yeah, you had written something in your like um, tips or whatever. And there was a typo or a capital or something. And I remember thinking, I thought, Oh my God, there's a typo in there. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, there's a typo in there. And I just kept reading and I thought to myself, like, and now that you're mentioning it, that you're someone like me, I'm like, Hey, that's amazing that you let it go. Cause I would have been like, as the creator, like freaking out, but you also showed that like, it's okay. Like, as someone who consumed that typo, I didn't give a shit. Like, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, at the end of the day, you still liked the post and, like, maybe you yeah. noticed it. But, yeah, I purposely do that to myself. Like, I would say regularly. I mean, Instagram stories, it happens to me all the time. And I just ask myself, I'm like, okay, is this worth my time to delete the Instagram story, re-record it, redo the captions. No, it's not worth my time. I'm going to do something else. And so same, I think it was in the 20 lessons post because if it was, had just been in like the written caption, I would have edited it, but it was like, I'd screenshotted my notes. That's what it was. And I'd posted it as a carousel and I would have had to like fully delete the post. I would have had to like retype out the notes or re-uploaded it. And I was just like, eh, you know, that it is what it is. Like, I'm not going to do all that work. So, yeah, I think sometimes you just have to make a good judgment call. Is it worth the time? I'm glad I'm glad that you just did that you did that because you gave yourself permission to, you know, not go after or not be perfect, really, which is none of us can be. But I remember yeah. seeing that and I thought I, I was part of it was like. Emma's got this, you know, business she's growing. She's got clients. This is what she does full time. Like she's an expert in this. She's as close to a professional as I know in this field. And she made a mistake and she published it. And I'm pretty sure she's still in business and still doing well. And it was just kind of like very validating of like, you were almost like, I don't think you meant it necessarily, but you were almost like, Tim, it's okay. Like you can make <laughs> mistakes in your content. No one's going to... Well, I'm glad that I gave you that validation. I think we also just like have a tendency to think that like people are thinking about our content way more than they actually are. Like, 
because I do repurposing and a lot of the times people are like, oh, I don't want to repurpose my content because like if somebody sees it in the email and then they see it in an Instagram, like people are going to be mad and like they're going to think I'm lazy. And I'm like, people don't care. Like people are not <laughs> as like plugged into you as you as you think they are. So I mean, like, for the content thing, I will say that, like, I do go over more of a fine tooth comb with my clients' content. But, like, yeah, at the end of the day, even, like, people with massive businesses make mistakes. Like, I get emails in my inbox and they're like, oops, like, wrong link. Like, we sent you the wrong link. Like, here's the second one. And they have, like, million-dollar businesses. And I'm just like, it happens. Like, people make mistakes. So... Yes, I got that the other day. Some A newsletter I'm subscribed to, she... I, I love her newsletter and she sent out an email and I hadn't even tried to click the button, but then like a minute later she sent the same email that, and the subject said, Oh, the link was wrong. And you know, she explained it. It was very nice and human and authentic, but I remember not even like flinching. I'm like, Oh, like she got the thing wrong. But if that happened to me, I'd be like, Oh, I cannot send the second email. Oh my God. How do I do it? I'm going to, you know, but like you said, I think we are harshest critics is, is what I'm, I'm realizing here, which I guess yeah. I knew. Yeah, definitely. I honestly love when big companies make a mistake like that because I'm just like, wow, like they have entire like marketing departments and stuff and they mess up. So if you're like a small business or a solopreneur even and like, you know, you make a mistake, it's fine. And like also for me as I grow my team, like just to have that attitude with your team too, because I remember like I, one of my like first clients, like I remember I made a mistake back when I was doing more like virtual assistant work and just like how angry she got at me like oh my god the link didn't work and like all caps emails like you know and it's like okay people make mistakes we're all human like it happens to the best of us so yeah I think it's it's almost a nice little reminder when like huge businesses do it. I totally agree with that. It's like, like I said before, with when I saw your thing, it's validating. It's like, oh, it's okay. If they can do it, then it's okay if I do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Emma, thank you so much for, for chatting and taking the time. This has been such a great conversation. And I'm so excited for, I mean, 2020, I think, was amazing in some ways for all of us in terms of growth. It sounds like for you, it was definitely a year of growth. And I hope 2021 is a year of growth and in positive ways as well. Thank you so much. I've loved being on and I really hope uh, 2021 is a good one for you too. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. Before you go, I would love to know what you had for breakfast this morning. Just send me an email, tim at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com and let me know what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.